I'd like to welcome each and every one of you. For my curiosity's sake, how many of you here are first timers or only been here just a couple of times? Raise your hand, anybody? Okay, thank you, welcome. And those of you who are online, welcome. My name is Corey and I'm gonna be a part of your church family and have been for about a four month period. Uh, well, the, uh, your, inter, uh, your interim pastor is uh, on sabbatical, sabbatical leave. So it's been my pleasure to work with the leadership and to spend time with them. Now, I have this theory about movies. Like if I were a producer, or I was going to put together a movie project, I think one way of guaranteeing to some degree success is by putting a father theme into the movie. So think about the movies that you really like. Some of the big movies, did it have a father theme on it? Let me share with you some of the movies in the recent and distant past uh, that had a father theme. Uh, there was a movie called Lion King. You remember Lion King? Definitely a father movie. Then there was a movie called Field of Dreams. Hardly anybody saw this movie, but I'm going to make reference to it a little bit later on. Field of Dreams starring Kevin Costner. And the voice, there's a guy in Field of Dreams who was the voice of Mufasa. So he was in Field of Dreams. And then a third movie that I really liked was a movie called Hook. How many of you saw Hook? Hook's a really good movie. Really good movie. Uh, Robin Williams, Dustin Hoffman, a great movie. And you'll see a clip from that in a little bit. And then the fourth movie is How to Train Your Dragon. I was, you know, when I, I saw this with my grandkids, I thought, How to Train Your Dragon? What kind of a movie would that be? It was really a good movie. And it definitely had a father theme in it. And the fifth one is, a, is an all-time movie, Star Wars. And if you know Star Wars, you know that it was a father-themed movie, at least in the first three episodes or the first three films that were made. Now, I don't want to give anything away, but Luke Skywalker's father, Darth Vader. I'm sorry if I gave it away, but that's on you because you should have seen it by now. All right? In fact, here's a clip of a very important scene from Star Wars. That was the climactic scene. When he first took off the mask, I expected to see James Earl Jones, <laughs> the voice of Darth Vader. <clears throat> and notice he mentioned the sister. I won't give that part away, who his sister is. But a lot of the first three episodes really were building to this point where, um, where Luke Skywalker resolves an issue with his father, something that was haunting him uh, throughout the, the movie or throughout the three, first three episodes. Now, I think people in general are searching to, to reconcile or to improve or even to have a relationship with their earthly dads. In fact, I think everyone probably needs to take a father journey of some sort. No matter what you think your relationship with your dad is like or has been like. Turn to Malachi chapter 4 if you have your Bibles or your devices. Malachi chapter 4. Now, Malachi is the last prophet before God turns silent for 400 years. So he's at the very end of the Old Testament, and then God breaks his silence with the gospel, with the arrival of his son, Jesus, and the uh, prophet uh, John the Baptist. Right? So for 400 years, God is silent. 
And the very last thing God says, I think would be important, don't you think? If I'm going to go silent for 400 years, the very last thing I say to the people who I'm not going to speak to again for uh, 400 years probably is a very important thing. And this is what God says, chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Behold, I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Now, on one hand, this is a prophetic verse, you know, where, you know, it says throughout scriptures and different prophecies that Elijah is going to come. And that's why when people were trying to identify who Jesus was, some of them said, he is Elijah, because it was predicted that Elijah was going to come. Uh, And then he does come in Jesus' tenure on earth at the Mount of Configuration. So he does come with the arrival of Messiah. So there's a prophetic aspect to it. There also could be the aspect of the fact that when, when Elijah comes, when the Messiah comes, that there's going to be a restoring of the people of Israel to their forefathers, meaning Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? That there's going to be this renewal of, of faith. But I think there's also a practical and pragmatic component to it. One of the things I think God wants is a restoration of children with their fathers and fathers with their children because it's such a disruptive relationship in our society and amongst people, not just the people of Israel, but even us, regardless of what our community is. You know, my wife did chaplaincy ministry for 10 years at LA City Jail, Twin Towers, the women's section. And um, almost all of them, as she spoke with them, the ones she spoke with, had issues or did not have a father who was present. So I think God desires us to restore our relationship with the, with the Lord, with the Father, our earthly fathers. Now, the word restore carries with it a component of healing, which means there's probably something awry with our relationship with our fathers. It could be huge and massive, or it could be minor, but it needs to be healed. So therefore, restoration needs to take place. Now, why is that so important? Well, in one respect, the way we view our heavenly father is oftentimes, uh, oftentimes tainted or influenced by the way we see our earthly dads. Like I was distant from my earthly dad. Good dad. I mean, I love my father, but I was, I didn't know much about my, my, my dad. And for all those years of, of living with him and under his, in his roof, under his roof, I didn't know much about him. And um, so my relationship with God the Father, when I first became a Christian, was distant. I saw God my Father as distant and Jesus as my friend. So my emphasis was on Jesus of the Trinity and not the Father in heaven because he was distant. My relationship with my earthly dad influenced the relationship I had with my heavenly Father. So I think restoration and healing are God's purposes for our lives, especially with our fathers. Now, let me give you a qualifier at the outset. Having a father wound, a father loss, or a father yearning does not mean we had a terrible father. Okay, I think our dads did the best they could. But I think our dads probably fathered us the way they were fathered. So think of your grandpa, your grandfather. Remember I shared that last week of child rearing? One of the default ways people raise their kids 
is by the way they were raised. And so a lot of times our dads really didn't know how to deal with us once we became adults, maybe teenagers on, because, they, because of the way they were raised. I believe a lot of problems and challenges that we find in marriages and in relationships here on earth stem from a wounded relationship with our dads. Think about that. See, I thought couples had good marriages if they never fought. If you didn't have a fight, you had a good relationship. That stems from my understanding of my earthly dad and not what marriage is supposed to be about. There are such things as healthy conflicts in marriage, good fights. But I thought that was taboo because of the way my father, my father never raised his voice, but he was also very distant. I'm going to make a book recommendation to you. The book is entitled Making Peace with Your Father by David Stoop. Making Peace with Your Father. I went on a father journey. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you how it started in just a little bit. I went on a father journey, and this is the book I got. And so I, I used this book along with the scriptures to guide me in my father journey. It was one of the most it was probably one of the two most major journeys I took, I've taken in my lifetime. And my dad was not a bad dad, but he was distant and he wasn't very present. So I'm going to teach you 13 steps, two today and 11 next week. All right, two today and 11 next week on how to reconcile with your father. First of all, admit the presence of father wounds, losses, or yearnings. Admit that there is present in your life a father wound, a father loss, or a father yearning. <clears throat> Psalm 139 says this, David wrote, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts, and see if there be any hurtful way in me, and lead me in the everlasting way. See, David wants to know if there's anything in his life that's causing him anxiety. And he wants to know if there's anything hurtful in his life, whether he has hurt someone or someone has hurt him. Anything that is hurtful in his life. Now note he is asking God to search him. God, search me, O oh God. What does that tell you? It probably tells us that he doesn't really know himself what hurtful ways are in his life. And sometimes we're either immune to it or we don't want to admit to it. So that's why we, we ask the Lord, search us, Lord. If there's some issue in our lives that take revelation from on high for us to discern. You know, everybody has lies. I would love to preach a message on this. Everyone has lies in their lives that they now believe to be true. You know what's so hard about identifying the lies you believe to be true? It's hard because you think it's true, and you can't identify that as a lie. And so there are lies you have taken from your, your primary family, the, the nuclear family from which you came, and you treat that as truth, and now you're applying it to your family when it's really a lie. Like the lie that I believed is couples should never fight. That's actually a lie, but I believed it to be true. And so I operated with that truth. My wife, on the other hand, thought conflict was good. That was her truth, right? And so when we got married, you can see the issue that arose. I wanted to keep the peace. She wanted to talk it out, right? And that caused conflict in our marriage. 
uh, identifying lies. What did the Bible say? You will know the truth, and what will the truth do? It will set you free. So everybody should go. This is the other journey people should go on. The journey of identifying the lies you believe to be truth. Because what's Satan's ploy, by the way? He wants Christians to believe his lies and transform them into truth when they're really a lie. <clears throat> Let me share with you some of the things effective fathers provide. Effective dads provide acceptance. They provide affection, warmth, and love. They provide affirmation. Now, does this sound like your father? They provide authority. That probably sounds like your dad. Discipline, exemplary behavior, leadership, security, trust, and values or value. That's when an effective father provides for his children. Effective dads fulfill four rules, according to David Stoop. He's a nurturer between the ages of zero and five. He's supposed to be a lawgiver between the ages of six to 12, a warrior between the ages of 12 to 18. Those are the teen years. He's supposed to be your warrior. And then 18 plus, a spiritual mentor. That's sort of the phasing of the role of a father. And so I try to live by this. I tried to be a nurturer, a lawgiver, a warrior, and then a mentor when, the, when my daughters turned into their teen years. That's why I always believe the terrible twos and the, uh, and the dramatic teens are the best years of fathering. I love those years. Right. So what is a father wound, a father loss, or a father yearning? What is it? Our dads, let me reiterate, our dads probably did the best they could do with what equipment they had for fathering. Just like the dads that are here, you're doing the best you can with that which you have been provided to this point in time. The gap between what effective fathers should provide and what our fathers were able to provide is our father wound, our father loss, or our father yearning. So let's say your father was supposed to affirm you you know, words of affirmation, and, and, that, and he, you didn't receive that. The gap between those two things is your father loss, perhaps your father wound, and maybe your father yearning. You know what's weird for dads to say, my dad to say to me? I never heard it from him. Son, I love you. I never heard that from my dad. I made sure I told that to my girls all the time. I love you. I say that to, we say that to our grandchildren all the time. We love you. A word of affirmation. What did, I mean, God the Father, when Jesus was baptized, this is where I go off script, okay? When Jesus was baptized, what did, what did he say? This is my beloved son. Everybody could hear it. Expressions of affirmation and love to Jesus, his only begotten son. I took that as an example, but father and good fathering was all about. Our dad, my dad was an Asian American dad, second born, second generation. He didn't say, I don't know if he said that to my mom. I don't know. He definitely didn't say it to us kids. And so the fact that he didn't, and, and I think he should have, is my father loss, my father yearning. Get it? All right. <clears throat> Gordon Delby, let me quote him, wrote a book, Healing the Masculine Soul. He wrote, Father wound is most often a wound of absence, emotional as well as physical. 
my dad was present physically. He was, always, he was there, but he wasn't always there emotionally. I didn't know what he was thinking most of the time. Dick Innes wrote a, wrote a book about relationships with fathers, and this is what he wrote. The father wound that injures our masculine soul is because we never felt loved by our fathers. Does that mean your father doesn't, didn't love you? No, it means that we didn't feel like we were loved by our fathers. Sometimes dad just didn't know how to express love to the kids. In our generation, amongst Nisei men, second generation Japanese American, they showed their love by working hard and providing for the family. Right? And that's very common in Asian, in Asian communities. You show your love and thank God for that. Right? That is one of the ways they show love. But I never heard it. I never felt it. He never expressed it in ways that were affirming by touch, by, by, by words, even by sometimes things that he could have done. <clears throat> As a result, little boys grew up with counterfeit masculinity and little girls grew up with confusion about masculinity. Our world is really confused today, is it not? A little background information. There's multiple categories of sin. Sins of omission and sins of commission, the ones that we, we, um, uh, that we commit and the ones that are committed against us. Regardless of what it is, we're responsible for those sins. The ones we commit, we're responsible for those. But we're also responsible for the sins that are committed against us. What I mean by that is we need to deal with it and do something about it. Like maybe giving forgiveness, which is one of the things we could do. Louis Anderson was a comedian. He was one of 11 children of an alcoholic father. Once a woman came up to him and said, oh, you're the comedian that doesn't use the F word. She was referring to his relatively clean act. But like many comedians, Anderson responded with humor derived from pain. He told her, I use it all the time. Family is the dirtiest word I know. The woman laughed and said, no, no, not that one. Anderson smiled and said, I use the other one, too, all the time. Father. It's right up there with family. Almost interchangeable. Richard Rohr, who was a Franciscan friar, wrote, of, uh, prison, wrote about prison work. And he tells of this nun, and this was really struck home to my wife and I because she worked in uh, the jail for like 10 years. So she had this idea. She decided one spring that she would get a greeting card company to mail bulk mail a bunch of Mother's Day cards to the prison. She would take the cards and hand it out to the inmates so that they could write Mother's Day cards to their mothers. And it went she used every card. Inmates took them and they wrote cards to their mothers. Very successful program. So she thought, that worked well. I'll do the same for Father's Day. So she got the same greeting card company to send shipments of boxes of, of Father's Day cards for the prisoners. You know what happened? Not one card was taken. Not one. Nobody sent a card to their father. And that's one of the things they feel about people who are inmates. They didn't have a father. Many of them didn't have a father, which somehow might be associated with the fact that they're in prison. These are the dads that we have known. Now, when I say, when I, when I list these, know that, that, most of us dads are a little bit like each one of these, except for one, the very last one. And that's okay. 
is when it's the predominant way in which your dad dealt with you. The no-nonsense dad. This dad was all business and little pleasure. He was the kind of dad who wouldn't put up with any backtalk or laziness. He was not much for small talk. He didn't have much to say. And when he did, it usually consisted of orders. The no-nonsense dad. The forever practical dad. This dad was utilitarian to a T. Everything in life had, had to have a place, a purpose, and a function. This father would never give his child something unless it met a need. And even then, the need had to be explicitly obvious. Thirdly, the nitpicky dad. This father was an inconsistent or failed perfectionist, yet he was determined to make his child perfect. He never was satisfied with the way his child performed, and he let the child know it. If something was not done exactly right, it was all wrong. Now again, every dad may be a little bit that way, but if this is the predominant way in which your dad dealt with you, then that might be an issue. there may be an issue there. The silent dad. His child seldom knew what he was thinking, and mostly he figured it was disapproval. It wasn't just that dad was quiet. He appeared uninterested in communicating. The absentee dad. This dad was just never really around. Perhaps his work schedule kept him away, or perhaps he was gone due to divorce or abandonment. This father had no time or interest in being with his child. The history teacher dad. This dad had a lesson for every occasion. Most of the occasions for his lessons were the child's mistakes and failures. The child always knew dad was going to give him or her a lecture. The drill sergeant dad. This dad was quick to mete out discipline to any child who stepped out of line. His primary role was discipline. Mom would always say, wait till father gets home. You watch Sound of Music? The colonel or major or whatever he was, Von Trapp. This was him, right? The drill sergeant dad with the whistle. The coach. This father was determined to live out all his missed opportunities for success through his child. So he drove and pushed and made plans for his child's achievements. The child came to fear failure because it incurred dad's disappointment, the coach. You read about this all the time. The angry dad. This dad was always getting upset and angry, and his child always seemed to bear the brunt of it. Dad could be happy one moment and angry the next. This unpredictability kept the child uneasy. The child lived in fear of the father. The pushover dad. This Mr. Nice Guy would give whatever his child wanted. The child learned with the right words at the right time, he or she could get whatever he or she wanted. This was a great time. This was great for a time, but the child soon discovered that he or she didn't respect his or her father anymore. The dependent dad. This father was more of a child than a father. He needed his child to support him, fulfill him, build him up, and ask very little in return. This dad may have been a lot of fun sometimes, but eventually the father, the child became the father or mother to the man. And you'll see this when the child grows up and you have a dependent father like that. The martyr dad. This father always felt unappreciated even after all he's done for you. He needed constant affirmation to remind him how much he was needed and valued. He became an expert at laying guilt on his child and kept his child tied to him by reminding him how much he owed, he or she owed his or her dad. Then there's the passive dad. This father had no backbone and nerve. By his lack of action, he proved he was uncaring and unprotecting. 
He stood by indifferently while his child was hurt or in need. He did not stand up for the child against a domineering wife or other harmful authority figures. He seemed too concerned with his own self-preservation or personal agenda to put himself on the line for his needy child. Then the final one. This is the one that no dad should be. This father tied his child to him through Ill illegitimate and powerful sexual energy and or abuse. This pathetic father may have trained his innocent child to perform secret sexual favors or to function as a surrogate spouse. The child eventually learned that the very sacred trust between father and child had been violated. These are all the dads we have known to one degree or another. And I hope the last one you have never known. All of us dads are a little bit like maybe all of these or some of these, but it's when it's the predominant way we interact with our child that a father wound, a father loss, or a father yearning can occur. I didn't know I had a father loss or a father yearning until I saw the movie Field of Dreams. That's the movie that probably none of you have seen or hardly any of you have seen. Somebody gave me this movie. I think they gave it to me as a Christmas present. And I think the person was a counselor. So maybe they knew something I didn't know. They gave me the movie, and I didn't watch it for a long time. They gave me a, it was a DVD. So it was beyond VHS. It was a D DVD. And so finally, I think in the spring, I said, I should watch this thing, because he's going to ask me, how did you like the movie? So I put, it, I put it into the player, and I started watching it. And to be perfectly frank, I didn't like it. I built a cornfield. No, you clear out a cornfield, you build a baseball field, and they will come. You know, and I thought, this is ridiculous. Now, I like movies like Hook, which is a fantasy, right? Please tell me it's a fantasy. It's a fantasy, right? All right. So it's not, it wasn't that. It just didn't strike a chord to me, but I thought, I'm obligated to watch it to the very end. Near the end of the movie, Kevin Costner, who plays the, the lead, is approached by his youthful father. Right? So... Baseball players, mainly the Black Sox scandal players, come out of the come out of the cornfield and they're playing ball. But one of the players is his dad as a young man. And guys who were in the minor leagues, they were never home because they're always on the road playing baseball, sometimes year round. And so they started playing catch with one another. The moment they started playing catch with one another. I started crying uncontrollably. I, I, up to that point, I almost never cried. Some, there was an instance where I determined as a junior higher, I'm never going to cry in my life. I'll tell you that story sometime. I remember distinctly. And from that point forward, I only cried once when my dog died. Not when my grandmother died, not when my grandfather died, when my dog died. Until this movie. And I bawled uncontrollably. I wailed, and I wondered, what's going on here? This is the clip. So when I saw this scene, I just cried uncontrollably. And my dad worked long hours. He worked the graveyard shift and two of his jobs that he had when I was growing up. But the one thing my dad would do with me whenever I asked him was to play catch. Midwest and West Coast, East Coast, they say, want to have a catch. West Coast, we say, want to play catch. And that's what my dad did with me. It's a really, really fond memory I have of my father. So when I saw this scene, I just started to cry uncontrollably, which told me something. 
I have a father issue. As good as my dad was, I have a father loss or a father yearning. I doubted I had a father wound, but it could have been there. And so I began my father journey. This movie is what propelled me to take a father journey. That there was something missing. And the issue that Kevin Costner was having uh, was he was trying to decide how to be a good father to his children. Good husband and good father. And so this is where he begins to resolve his relationship with his dad, which helps him in raising his children. Ken Druck wrote a book, The Men's Keeper, The Secrets Men Keep. First on his list is men secretly yearn for their father's love and approval. Kendrick wrote, it may surprise us to know that the most powerful common denominator influencing men's lives today is the relationship we have with our fathers. Of the hundreds of men I have surveyed over the years, perhaps 90% admitted they had, still had strings leading back to their fathers. In other words, they are still looking to their fathers, even though their fathers may have been dead for years, for approval, acceptance, affection, and understanding. When I went on my father journey, my father was already gone. He died at age 61, the second year I was at Evergreen Church I served. I mean, my dad took me. I have just a certain set of memories of me and my dad. All right. One memory that's very distinct is when he took me to go watch the Los Angeles Rams play the Baltimore Colts with Johnny Unitas, QB of the Colts. That means nothing to you, and that's okay. Now, why was that such a significant memory? Because that's, it was raining really hard that day. My mom didn't want me to go. But my dad said, it's okay. She talked my mom into letting me go to the game, even though it was a downpour. So my mom dressed me in that, you know that yellow rain suit that kids sometimes, I don't know if they still wear or not. It's all yellow and it's made out of that vinyl stuff and you have a cap and you have boots and you have a, oh, she made me wear that so I wouldn't get wet. I was with my dad and his friends. He, I sat to my dad's right. He told me, sit and stay seated, because he didn't want me to get up. And That's when you get wet. And all the men were standing. I couldn't see a thing, right? but I was with my dad. Every, every time he stood up and every time people cheered, when he sat back down, he would make sure I was okay. Right? He would make sure I was dry and I was okay. You know why I remember that? My dad touched me. It was a significant touch, which is a love language. And at that moment, I felt loved by my father. Lest this you think is just for men. Suzanne Fields, author of Like Father, Like Daughter, wrote this. She found that women yearn for a greater intimacy with their fathers. The central thesis emerges from hundreds of interviews and questionnaires. Daddy hides and we forever seek him, only occasionally flushing him out of his hiding place. A 30-year-old female bank teller said, he never really asked about me. And I realize now that I have no idea who he really is. What were his dreams and fears? And who were his devils that seduced him with risky and work, keeping him away from us? When I cut my long straight hair, changing it to short and curly, he never even noticed. I, from that, every time my daughters changed their hairdo, I made sure I mentioned it. A 44-year-old office worker wrote, Deep down, I know he cared about me. 
but I wished more than anything he had been able to express some of that caring to me directly, verbally if not physically. I only wish he had just said the words. Field sums it up, but in most of these female recollections there persists a brooding lyricism and of yearning, yearning always for more, 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 a hunger for something never quite captured in that secret place of the heart. Instead, there is a terrible sadness and emptiness, or an overwhelming and destructive anger. See, I had a father yearning. I had a father loss. I wish I had received three things from my father. Now, don't get me wrong. I love my dad, respected him. But I carry a father loss and a father yearning. These are my yearnings. One, his affirmation. I don't ever remember him saying, good job. He came to one of my football games. I picked off two passes, and I threw the ball really well that day. On the drive home, not a word. I already thought my dad said, hey, great game, son. Not a word. After my first Easter match, he came to church. Once I became installed as the pastor at Evergreen, came every Sunday with my mom. On Easter Sunday, that first Easter Sunday I was at Evergreen, uh, he, told my, he, said, he told my mom, Hey, he preached a pretty good sermon. He preached really well, kind of like Billy Graham. I didn't even know he knew who Billy Graham was. But as much as I appreciated it, it came through my mom, not him. By the way, here's a, I'll talk about this later. Be cautious. Oftentimes, the official interpreter of dad is who? Mom. And is that really accurate? because she sees it through the perspective of her lens. Always remember that. Always remember that. My son-in-law, when he graduated from grad school, I told him, I'll go, help, I'll go pick up the food. He said, no, my dad and I are going to pick up the school. On the ride to pick up the food for the party afterwards, his dad said that he was proud of him. He actually verbalized it. And I told Danny, my son-in-law, you don't know how blessed you are that your father told you to your face that he was proud of you. Words of affirmation. Have you ever heard words of affirmation from your dad? It's not that he's not proud of you. Just don't articulate. His annals. I would have loved to have him tell me about his past. He told me a few war stories and a few things. I treasure them. Not many. By the way, the one thing you can do, and I'll get to this next week, the one thing you can do that sometimes is okay with your dad, interview him about his history. How did you mom meet? If you say, how did you know you're in love? You probably won't answer that. All right? But where did you get the ring? Ask him practical things. Get him talking. So I want, I would, oh man, today, uh, my biggest, one of my biggest regrets is I never really talked to my dad about his history. I just don't know much. Thirdly, his advice. I don't really remember him giving me advice very often. He wasn't one of those dads that was a drill sergeant or just gave me advice all the time. Very, very seldom. I remember one time, playing, he, he was my coach one year, baseball. And he told me, swing a 35-ounce bat, which probably means nothing to you, but it's a pretty heavy bat. Most major leaguers swing a 32 or 33-ounce bat. But I, I used that bat. It was hard to wield because it was so heavy. And I was just a high schooler. But I did it. Why? Because my dad told me to. He gave me advice. And I said, I'm going to follow my dad's advice. Later on, as I continued, I converted to a 32-ounce bat, 
and I hit a lot better. But it didn't matter. I followed my dad's advice. Three ways of identifying father wounds, father losses, and father yearnings. One, look for where it hurts. Maybe difficulty in relationships with the opposite gender. Maybe you have difficulty seeing other father, children, child relationships prosper. Look, I hurt when I see father movies. I started crying over father movies. Most of them were sports movies. I cry over sports movies all the time. Secondly, look for recurring problem areas. Do you have a problem area that springs up off and on in your life? You have difficulty with authority. You have difficulty with authority at work. You have difficulty with authority here at the church. You just don't trust authority. Well, maybe that has a source someplace else other than the church or other than the office. Difficulty maintaining long-lasting relationships. You move from one to another. Maybe that's an indicator of a father wound, a father loss, or a father yearning. Look for types of father figures to whom we are drawn. Is there a certain profile dad that you're kind of drawn to? That maybe your friend's father is that way? I'm drawn to manure teachers because I long for advice from my father. When I was growing up, I used to watch this program called The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet. Look it up. I'm sure none of you have ever seen this. But this was on, uh, I think it was a 30-minute show when I was a kid growing up. And Ozzie was a, kind of a strange dad because he wore a tie at home. Right? But I really liked that show. Later on as an adult, I realized why. Ozzie was present. Sometimes I thought he was overly involved with his family. But he was a dad who was present giving advice, and just being there for his children. That's, that's a father that I admire who was a TV dad. Who's, who's the father that you, you admire the most? Who would you like your father to be? Here's a scene from Hook about one particular lost boy who knew, who came to understand of what kind of father he wanted. I think this video was good. Oh, there he is. Oh, we had trouble hearing it. Oh, what? What Rufio says just before he dies is that he wanted a father like Peter. That's what he says. We're going to have to work on that. All right. So remember, Rufio and Peter didn't get along at the front end. Then at the very end, before Rufio dies, he says he wishes Peter were his father. Do you have a father loss, a father yearning, or a father wound? As you sit and listen to this portion of the message, you feel like, man, maybe I do have an issue of some sort with my earthly father. Well, then I encourage you to take a journey. First thing I want you to do, now don't go to your dad between now and next Sunday. Okay, wait for the message next Sunday. All right. But this is what I'd like you to do. Ask, the Lord, ask for God's assistance. That's Roman numeral two. Ask for God's assistance. James 1.5 says, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. And we need to pray. So between now and next Sunday, pray specifically. You know, Lord, is there something I need to pursue regarding my father, my earthly dad? I feel that there is something here. Right? Should I pursue it? 
Help me to pursue it. Lord, reveal to me if there's any hurtful way in me. Search me, O Lord, and see if there is any hurtful way in me regarding my Father who, who is on earth. Reconciliation requires the wisdom of Solomon, the faith of Job, and the courage of Joshua. Pray for those, those things to be in your life. And next week, we'll take a look at the rest, some steps you can take on a father journey. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much that you're with us in every step of the way and how Scripture applies to things. We, went, we looked at a couple of texts today, and Lord, how it opens up a whole avenue of things that we should be pursuing, places that we should be going, journeys that we should be taking. Thank you that you'll be with us, and thank you that the net result of this will, will be for good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Now bless us as we continue to worship you this day. In the precious name of Jesus, amen.